0: It was seven years ago this week that my book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing, was released with Morgan James Publishing. I am very excited to announce that we finally have the audio version of this book, which is being released this week. So I thought for today's episode, I would let you hear one of the chapters from the audiobook. And I decided on chapter three, The Garage of Tears. And then I want to play something else for you that goes along with it. But before playing this chapter for you from the audiobook, I just want to share a bit about it for those who haven't read it. This book came about from waking up in the middle of the night, hearing in my mind the words, When Tragedy Strikes, and all these thoughts for chapters running through my head. I got up, I wrote these things down, and then I went back to bed thinking, I guess I'm supposed to write a book. Now, I knew absolutely nothing about how to go about this, but I decided at least I could start writing. And chapter one starts out with the words, three years ago today, I buried my daughter. And I wrote until it became too difficult. And every once in a while, I would write a little bit more along with the thoughts that I knew would go in the book somewhere. And, you know, I'd write some and then it would get hard and I'd quit and I'd write some more. So it was taking quite a while. And as I was writing things, somehow it kind of morphed into each chapter topic becoming part of a house. And as the writing progressed, every issue I wanted to write about became part of the process of rebuilding a house, which is how, you know, that subtitle came up, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child. Now, I knew I would have to figure out what is called self-publishing, how to self-publish a book. So I started looking things up and finding people to connect with who could help me with this. And God brought a man named Ray Edwards into my life. And Dave and I flew out to a, it was like an entrepreneur author conference kind of thing he was having out in San Diego, where I met one of the speakers and had a conversation with David Hancock, who is the founder of Morgan James Publishing. Now, when I talked to David at the time, I only had the first three chapters written, but he gave me his card and he asked me to send him what I had written so far, and so I did. Later that year, Dave and I flew out to Spokane, Washington to do a small workshop with Ray. It was more of a one-on-one workshop type thing, and while we were there, I received the word that I was being offered a book contract with Morgan James Publishing, and I waited to sign that contract on April 13th, which is Becca's birthday. And since I was now under a contract, I had to have the book finished within three months based on the contract. Now, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know I could negotiate that. So I had three months to finish the book. And I did not realize how difficult that would be since I couldn't take much of a break if I started to feel too overwhelmed because now I had this contract and the book had to be done. So One Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing after the death of your child was released a year later on July 6th. And now that you have the God story behind this book, here is chapter three from the new audiobook coming out called The Garage of Tears. Chapter three, The Garage of Tears. Some of the worst times are when I think I see Becca somewhere and get smacked once again with the crashing realization that it can't possibly be her. For me, the motorized scooter carts in a store still trigger the thought of my daughter. Even just hearing someone the next aisle over in one of those carts can give me a shocking reminder of my loss. I have had to fight tears so many times when I'm out shopping because of triggers like this. Sometimes I win and can escape without crying, and sometimes I don't, as the tears spill down my cheeks. I wonder, why don't I ever see anyone else in the store who looks like they're crying, or am I the only one who struggles with this? There are so many bittersweet events now. Almost one year to the day of Becca's death, We had the blessing of a new little granddaughter coming into this world. She was given the name of Becca as a second middle name. And since then, we've had another beautiful granddaughter born. They will never know their Aunt Becca. Like I said, bittersweet. One of my sons got married six weeks before Becca passed away, and she was actually not in the hospital and able to attend the wedding. This is the only sibling who will have that blessing. The other three will be missing their sister, including the one who planned to have her as a matron of honor someday. She dreads the pain of that so much, she is talking about just having a small gathering for a wedding and her sister's picture placed where she would have stood. Weddings are supposed to be a day full of joy and celebration like I said, bittersweet. I feel the heaviness of grief trying to come in while writing this, so I will pause and think of my beautiful Becca in heaven dancing with two legs with Jesus. She is in the greatest celebration of all. I will remind myself that this earth is not my permanent home, for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18. At some point, life on this earth won't matter, and we will all be united for eternity. What a glorious day that will be! But until then, this is where we are, and we have to learn how to deal with life on this earth. The death of a child changes our lives, and it changes us more than anyone can even imagine. Only those of us who have experienced it can know what that means. And it is not that we are trying to elevate ourselves above someone who is grieving a different loss, such as a spouse or a parent. We would gladly not be part of this elite club if there was any way possible to get out of it. Those who have lost both a spouse and a child will say the death of their child far outweighs the death of their spouse. The length of the mourning process stretches out further. The loss of our child shatters the hope we had for their future. We have lost a physical extension of who we are. These are just some of the things that make this loss deeper when compared to other losses. Is there such a thing as grief recovery? In my searching for how to deal with my grief, I came across an article called Grief Recovery. As I started reading it, I discovered it was for any kind of loss, including jobs, moving, pet loss, death, divorce or any kind of breakup, starting school. Whoa, I don't think so. It talked about how recovery is when we can have memories without the pain. I had a hard time reading it without getting angry. It is just impossible to compare grieving the death of a child to all these other things. I'm not saying those things are not painful and that there is not a level of grief involved, but this article was basically saying after you grieve the right way, You can move on with life and put the past behind you. I might be able to move forward, but it isn't by putting the death of Becca behind me. She will always be in front of me. Our children are our legacy. They are supposed to keep going when we leave this earth. Even if she isn't with me anymore, I can't leave her in my past and go on without her. Even if we wanted to do so, the things that trigger us and remind us of our loss can come unexpectedly out of nowhere and bring back the memory accompanied by unwanted pain once again. I am a parent who took a lot of trips to the gravesite for probably a year or more. One day while I was there, the MedFlight helicopter flew over me. I totally lost it and found myself sobbing uncontrollably. Later, I wrote on Facebook about what had happened, and a friend told me it was a sign of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I guess it made sense. For many, many months after Becca passed, whenever I heard an ambulance, I would freeze in panic, and my mind would immediately question, where is Becca? And of course, There was always the realization of where she was, and the siren I was hearing was definitely not for her. Some days I am okay with that. Other days... The first year of special dates is always difficult for anyone who has lost a loved one, but for a parent who has a child missing, it can be almost unbearable. For us, Thanksgiving came first and brought with it the memory of how the year before Becca had insisted on hosting the family, even though she was wheelchair-bound. Then came Christmas, Becca's favorite holiday, and then the pain of the first time she was not there to celebrate her birthday, and so on. Eventually, it came around to the one-year anniversary of her death. Everyone grieves differently, and I wanted to be sensitive to that. Some of the family wanted to get together and celebrate her life, and others didn't want anything to do with that. I was torn, and to be honest, I don't even remember what ended up happening that first year for her birthday or the anniversary of her death. The part I do remember, though, is now a precious tradition I share with Becca's daughter. That first year, my granddaughter asked what we were doing for her mom's birthday. Knowing how some of the family did not want to do anything, I suggested I come to her school for lunch on that day and bring birthday cupcakes for the two of us. She was thrilled, and we have been able to continue this. My granddaughter has been happy to have someone who wants to think about how much we love and miss her mom, remembering the special woman in both of our lives, and I have been happy to share that with her. What I wasn't expecting was to have the second year be harder than the first. I see two reasons for this. First, I braced myself for those one-year markers— I knew they were going to be hard, so I tried to prepare myself for them mentally and emotionally. The second year, it was more like I was caught off guard. I'd been through this before. It should be better this year, I thought, so all of a sudden, those dates were here and they just hit me like a brick wall. Second, I was still in such a fog of unbelief the first year. So as the fog started to lift that second year, the loss was hitting me with full force. By the third year, it was more like a painful acceptance, trying to figure out how to live this new life without my daughter. I feel like I need to say this to the parents who are still in deep grief. Do not look at any dates to see where I or others were emotionally in our grieving process and use it as some sort of a timeline to force on yourself. We are all on our own individual timeline and need to go through the process at our own speed. Yes, there are some patterns, for lack of a better word, that some of us seem to fall into, but don't expect yourself to fit into that. Give yourself grace to walk your own necessary path. As long as you are putting one foot in front of the other, you will get there. In April of 1999, Dave and I took our two oldest children, Becca and Topher, to a focus on the family event called Life on the Edge. We were given what was called a Be There Covenant for us to sign which the four of us did. Later, in 2004, our other three children also signed it. This is now one of the most precious things I own. Let me tell you what it says. Be There Covenant We believe that when our life's journey comes to an end, the gates of heaven will open wide and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be there to welcome us. The covenant we are signing today is a promise made to one another in the presence of God that we will be there in heaven for a glorious family reunion without end. From this point on, we are committed to love, accept, honor, forgive, pray for, and encourage one another. We agree to treat each other with respect and kindness, and we pledge to resolve conflicts in a biblical way. We also promise to run the race, to persevere, and to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Parents be their promise. As your parent, I will most likely be there before you. If I see heaven before you, I will wait for you just inside the eastern gate. If you see heaven before me, I will know you are waiting for me there. This is an appointment I will not miss. Teens be their promise. I promise to be there. If I see heaven before you, I will wait for you. If you see heaven before me, I will know that you are waiting for me. This is an appointment I will not miss. I never thought that part about one of my children being there before me would actually come to pass and was so very clueless as to how easy that sounded compared to how hard it is to actually live it out but I am so very thankful for this piece of paper which is now framed and hanging on my Becca wall in our hallway along with things like the photo of the butterfly hung on her hospital door the night she died. It has taken me an entire lifetime to learn that tears are a gift from God. Yes, I know some people can't seem to cry, but that is not the case for me. Tears have flowed freely and easily for me all my life. If I don't allow myself to cry, it means I have allowed my heart to get hard. I have done that before and will never do it again. Jesus knew that when his dear friend Lazarus died, it was only temporary. And yet we know Jesus wept. If you want to cry, Go ahead and cry as hard as you need to. Park your car in the garage and have a good cry. Let your tears be the gift God gave them to be, allowing them to wash away some of the pain. You can go back to the garage anytime and as often as you need to. You have full permission. I hope there was something in there that was helpful to you. At the beginning of this, I said I wanted to play something else that goes along with this chapter. A few years after the book came out, to help perivers be able to go deeper than the book was able to take them, I created three mini guidance courses based on the book, When Tragedy Strikes. Now, these three mini courses are called Course 1, How Do I Even Start to Rebuild My Life? Course 2 is Working Through the Darkness... And Course 3 is Looking Toward My Future. Now, I'm going to share a little bit more on this. But first, let's listen to the lesson that corresponds to the chapter we just listened to. And this is lesson number one in Module 2 of the second guidance course, Working Through the Darkness. And I'm going to let you hear the whole thing from start to finish as if you are in the course, okay? So let's go ahead and play that. In this lesson, we are going to be talking about the garage of tears. Often we find ourselves sitting in our garage, not ready to go into the house for various reasons. Have you ever been there? Like maybe you're listening to a song or a program that you wanna finish or you just need some quiet time before going into the busyness of the inside the house. Maybe we need a good cry and we don't want the family to see we've been crying. And that's why I feel like as we talk about rebuilding our lives, sitting in the garage are the times in our lives when we get hit with grief waves or triggers. We often need to stop and lean into our grief before we can go on with what we're doing. When we're around others and we get hit with a grief trigger, we have one of three options from what I see. We can get up and go home. We can get up and go somewhere until we can pull ourselves together and then rejoin the others, or we can invite people around us into that very sacred space. Let them know that you're missing your child and invite them into your child's life and your memory of them. Only you know what is the right choice for you, and it's probably going to constantly change based on the situation and who's around you. But I do want you to know that it's okay to stay put and to let those around you know what's happening, including those who may not know you have lost a child. The interesting thing is, as I go along, how many parents will tell me, I had no idea how many people around me have lost a child until I said something or until they knew I had lost my child. And I think that's because we don't know who the safe people are, right? But sometimes when you invite someone in to that sacred moment of tears, when you're remembering your child, you may find that someone around you knows exactly what this is like and, and the struggle here. So just be open to that. The other thing is, if you do that, you may also hear something that we hate to hear something like, Oh, I'm sorry. I still cry sometimes too when I miss my grandma or whatever it is. And try not to let your feathers get ruffled. I, I know I used to very easily, especially at the beginning when Becca first died. But I've learned not to see it as they're trying to compare my grief with theirs because there just is no comparison. And you and I can't even compare our own grief of the loss of a child. But what I see is that they're doing their best to relate to their deepest pain with your pain and letting you know that it's okay. And if they still cry because they miss their grandma, of course it's okay for you to cry because you miss your son or your daughter. But they may just be a shoulder you can cry on and become a safe place when you need someone and you didn't even know that until you let them in. Let's take a little bit of time and talk about some of the things that trigger our tears going to the grave constantly, looking at their things, things like that, pictures of them, whatever. It doesn't mean we're going crazy. And it isn't wrong to do these things like some people might tell us it is, telling us that we're doing this to ourselves and that we need to stop it. It just means we're doing what we need to do to help process the painful acceptance. And it does come with stabbing pain and a lot of tears. There are the bittersweet events. These are the events that our child should have been at. But they're not there and i'm so sorry to say that they're going to happen for the rest of your life people around us don't realize or even think about it most of the time much less understand why we just can't bring ourselves to go to a a wedding or a shower or a graduation or we might have to excuse ourselves while we're there those of us who've lost a child totally understand and i do want to encourage you that over the years Most of these things get easier as we learn to carry the grief. It's kind of like someone carrying a backpack of rocks up a hill. The heaviness of what we're carrying doesn't change, but we do eventually get stronger and better at carrying it. And our perspective can make a really big difference in this. What I wanna share here is something that might be helpful. I have often thought about how I only have one grandchild who knew her Aunt Becca and how much Becca would have loved being an aunt to the rest of the grandchildren who are here. And a few weeks ago, as of the taping of this session, we lost a grandchild through a pregnancy loss. And we had seen the first precious ultrasound picture, and this little one was due on Valentine's Day. And it hit me a lot harder than I thought it would, and I cried quite a bit, actually. And at one point in that, I had the realization that Becca may not know her nieces and nephew here on earth, but she now knows one that none of us know. And to think that little one was probably greeted by her over-the-top excited Aunt Becca actually puts a smile in my heart and on my face when I picture Becca welcoming that little one to heaven and just being by her side and just the time that they're sharing together. Before I close out this session, I want to talk about two things that I do feel are very important to make sure you know. Experts say that anything under five years is considered fresh grief for a parent who's lost a child through death. And this means that when, not if, the people around you don't understand why you're still a mess three or four years, five years down the road, it's okay not to be okay. I know I've said that a lot. And if you need to, go back and read pages 26 and 27 to remind yourself that this is a very long process. And remind yourself to give yourself lots of grace. Because as long as you're putting one foot in front of the other, you will get there in your own timing. The other thing that I want to make sure that you know is that the death of our child is considered traumatic grief. It's a trauma. And a lot of you have PTSD, On top of that, based on the circumstances surrounding your child's death, and all of this is to say that it is not only okay, but it is expected to take quite a while, and I'm talking years, to be able to function again in a way that I can't say normal, but normal, and hopefully you know what I mean by that. And even within that, there will continue to be things like grief fog and forgetfulness and feeling overwhelmed when too many people are around because of the triggers we're going to have for the rest of our lives. So be prepared to go back and sit in the garage of tears whenever you need to. And here's what I want you to do to complete this session. When you feel the heaviness, allow yourself to lean into it, but also know what will pull you out of it give yourself time but give yourself a way out and what is that for you well you have to figure that out it might be a certain song it might be a list of songs you can play how about a scripture you can read imagining your child in heaven and what they're seeing and doing i want you to figure out what that is and then use the link on this page to share it with us in the facebook group and this goes beyond just you helping yourself But you may have an idea or a song that will help someone else. So please be sure to go over there and share. And if you don't know what will help you, still go to the thread for this lesson and read what others are doing to help pull themselves out of that dark grief pit we all still fall into because it might give you ideas for yourself. We will never get over this by putting our children behind us. That is impossible. And one of the songs I love to sing when I'm out speaking is the song I Will Not Say Goodbye by Danny Gokey, and you'll find a link to that on this page as well. Make sure you have some tissues because it's pretty powerful. And when you're ready, go ahead and move on to the second session. You heard me talk about perspective, and this is so important, especially when you can't breathe and all you see is darkness and all you feel is pain. If you have been around me for very long at all, you have heard me share about a specific moment where God shifted my perspective. I would think about getting further away from Becca. I, I would almost have like these panic attacks where I couldn't breathe, thinking being like one year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years here without Becca. I just... It was like I just had these panic attacks thinking about that and just how horrible. I just my mind couldn't comprehend it. My heart couldn't take it in. And so one time God spoke to my heart and he told me that you're not getting further away from Becca. Every day you are getting closer and closer to her. You're getting closer to seeing her again. You're not getting further away from her. You're getting closer to her And, you know, let me just add, when I'm with her again and reunited with her, we'll never be separated again. And that really helped me be able to deal with thinking about a future without Becca, knowing that she is in my future and I'm getting closer to her, not further away from her. Ask God to help you in those kinds of moments that close in on you. Ask him to see things through his eyes of eternity. Ask him to show you something you can think about or look at or listen to as a way to lighten that moment. If nothing else, picture him sitting with you, holding your hand or putting his arm around you or even wrapping his arms around you as you cry on his shoulder. I know we don't understand his ways, but he understands our pain. Our sorrow and tears are important to him. So much so that Psalm 56, 8 says that he counts each tear and collects our tears in his bottle. I think we're going to have some of the biggest bottles in heaven, don't you? I wonder what he will do with all those tears he's collected from us. I'll bet it's something so wonderful that we have no way of comprehending it. Let me take just a couple of minutes to share a little bit more about the When Tragedy Strikes guidance courses. Now you can either watch the short videos that are in each lesson or listen to the audio where I share more about a specific chapter or one of the rooms that we need to rebuild in our lives. And each one ends with an assignment that will help you move forward just a little bit in that specific area. And I also give you something to share on the Private GPS Hope page. There is a link in each lesson that will take you to a specific place on the page to share for that lesson. So we can look at each other's, what we say, you know, to each other who are taking the course. I encourage you to do that. There's no pressure. Just like anything, the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. But I do understand there are times it just isn't in us to share something that makes us feel so vulnerable and weak. But as long as you do the little something that I encourage you to do, it's going to help you. Each course is extremely reasonably priced, like only $20 and $30. I've had people tell me that the price is ridiculous for a course, considering what's in it but i i'm just not out to make money on it but there are costs involved in putting it together and keeping it running so i do need to charge a little something now since july is national bereaved parents month we want to give you even more of a discount for that course so for those who purchase the when tragedy strikes audiobook which should be available this week you can pay for two courses and get the third one free with a special promo or coupon code so Purchase your audiobook on wherever you can find it, Amazon or wherever, and then go to gpshope.org/slash-wtspromo. Fill out the information, which is going to include putting in the purchase invoice number, and then we will send you the coupon code to get all three of the guidance courses for the price of two. Also, when you purchase the three courses together. You will receive a copy of the ebook of When Tragedy Strikes. So you'll have both the audio version and you'll have an ebook version. I do want to share something that one of the students who's going through the course right now shared in the Private GPS Hope Facebook group. And Crystal said, Good morning, GPS Hope family. Like all of you know, grief can take you down that rabbit hole of just not wanting to talk or work at your grief. I have to say, after Mother's Day, I was a mess and just decided I was going to sit and feel what I felt and not analyze it or push through it. I also decided I was going to take Laura's course again to help me through this period. If you have not done this three part course based on her book, When Tragedy Strikes, I would highly recommend it. It has been such a comfort to me and has provided me insight as well as support during this dark time. So, to find out more about the When Tragedy Strikes guidance course that Crystal was just referring to, which includes a description of each one of the courses and the titles of each module within each of the courses, go to gpshope.org slash WTS course. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You know, anything I've been talking about, you can find the links to these in the show notes. You can click on them and go straight there. And I also want to make sure that you know that you don't have to get all three of these together. This is just something we're doing for the month of July. They're normally sold as three separate guidance courses. So you can still go there and pick the one that fits where you are on this journey if you don't want to get all three as bundled together. Let's go ahead with this week's birthday segment. Davis Heller was born on July 4th and is forever 22. Andres Martinez was born on July 7th and is forever 21. We celebrate the day these two young men came into the world. We know it will always be a special day for their families. If you would like your child's birthday announced and shared with the other listeners, I would love to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out the form, including the pronunciation, if their name is ever mispronounced, first name, last name, so that I can say it correctly here. And then the week of your child's birthday, I will announce it. Dave will also send you an email to remind you to listen that week. Let's revisit that backpack of rocks. Those early days, weeks, months, and even into the first few years, we don't think we will ever be able to make it. The load is too heavy. The pain is too great. Our hearts are shattered, and we believe it's impossible to be put back together enough to be able to function again. We are barely in survival mode, much less believing someone who tells us we can eventually have a life of meaning and purpose again. But you can, and you will. There's no timetable, so don't let anyone tell you there is, and don't put yourself on one. You have been through a trauma, and just like I've shared today, there will be triggers that send you back into pain and tears, but you will eventually be able to carry the weight of your grief in a way that allows you to live a full life again. Yes, I know it will look completely different than you had planned. Trust me, I know I'm living that different life myself, but it can still be a good life. And this is not in spite of your child's death, but because of his or her life. If you don't have your own hope for this, borrow my hope for you. And once again, I'm reminding you to H-O-P-E, hold on, pain eases, there is hope.